0: I am not the same person that I was a year ago. I'm not the same person I was yesterday because today the Lord changed me again. Um, My um, really incredibly sweet times with the Lord are so few and far between. And um, I believe it's because He wants me just to keep trusting in Him. But for about I don't know three three months or so, I can't um, I can hardly open my Bible where he isn't showing me something really big, and I just love it. And so I was telling um, Deb last night I said, so I just keep keep trying to read my Bible because I know it's not going to last long, <laughs> and, and I want to make sure um, that I don't miss whatever it is he has. But um, today, oh, notes for mine are on the very, uh, behind all those line sheets, you'll see notes that I typed up for you, okay? It has all the verses on it. It doesn't really have too much. You can write, you can fill it in with whatever you want, or if you don't want to fill it in, but at least you have that. You could either have that or you could have my nine pages, but I condensed it for you. So, this is, I'm calling this, this is called the threshing floor, You know, when I've read my Bible, every so often you'll come across the word threshing floor, and I've really never put much thought to it. Honestly, when I think of a threshing floor, I think of a big wooden floor, kind of like, oh, and a big place where you might square dance. That's what I think. And um, and then it kind of comes in and it goes out. Am I too far or too close? I can just stand over this way if you want closer that mic gets, the more I want to sing. (laughs) But recently, and it's probably because of where I've been reading in my Bible, the word threshing floor kept popping up. And then, you know, but when you think of threshing floor, I think of agriculture. I think of something to do with agriculture. But um, there was this one time this threshing floor was used and it just threw me off. We're going to talk about that in a second. But it, it totally played with my mind. And so as a result, I start looking up in commentaries about threshing floors. And, um, and then also I Googled so I could see what one looked like. And you would have seen one if I'd had my way. But the Lord must have wanted something different because we're not seeing one. Um, so I'm just going to describe it. It would probably be like from this wall to, um, Abby, raise your hand. I'm going to guess there's going to be like, they're like this big. They're big and they're round. They usually have a a stone wall around them. And um, often they would put stones down like pavers in it. So they'd be all over, but it'd be uneven. So then when the farmer would collect his wheat, he would throw it on the threshing floor. He would take his oxen and he would attach like wooden sleds to the back of them. And they would go around and around. you ever been to uh, Algonquin and they're making that sorghum? And those horses go around, you know, smashing that uh, corn stalks? Sort of like that. That's horses. This is oxen and it's wheat. (laughs) (laughs) But just picture it. And they're going to go around and around. And it starts off real, you know, tall. And it's got things sticking off of it. They're called um, kernels and (laughs) they fall to the ground and then these oxen, they they just knock it off and then they're able to, they pick, they have big uh, wooden almost pitchfork things, winnowing winnowing, um, something or other and they go like this and they throw it up in the air, stuff blows away. And then you have these kernels that get smashed and they get ground. See the threshing floor is, where you take the grain and you make it into something useful. You smash it, you grind it, and it's unrecognizable. If you looked at a stalk of wheat and you think of a bag of flour, they don't quite look alike. It's where the parts that aren't needed, the parts that are in the way, the parts that are flaky, flaky. (laughs) I have a lot of those. The parts that are hard and crusty, and I have way too many of those. It's where they're, I wasn't trying to be funny there. I'm sad about that. <laughs> I'm still not trying to be funny. It's where they're all knocked off and they're blown away. So we're gonna look at some stories in the Bible, but before we do, I just wanna read, look at a few verses. I'm gonna, I'm not gonna read them. Well, no, that's not true. These I'm gonna read, the, the other ones I'm not, because they're very long. Um, but the threshing floor was a place of blessing. In Deuteronomy 15 13 and 14, God was giving them some of the, the law that he wanted them to follow. And he said, uh, when you, They would have servants, and after they were served a period of time, they were allowed to go free. And he would say, When you release a male servant, do not send him away empty handed. Give him a generous farewell gift from your flock your threshing floor and your wine press. Share with him some of the bounty with which the Lord has blessed you. So this threshing floor was part of where they would find, was where a place where God blessed them. It was a place of bounty. And not only was it a place of blessing, but it was a place of provision and storage. Um, if you have those words, you'll probably say was af provision and storage because mine says that. Um, apparently I can't type. But in Joel 2.24... He was telling them, he was giving them something to look forward to. And he said, the threshing floors will again be piled high with grain. And the presses will overflow with new wine and olive oil. So our, our God wants to provide. And then the next place is First Samuel 23, one. The threshing floor was also a place that was looted and plundered. It talks about, um, it was looted and plundered by the enemy. It says, one day news came to David that the Philistines were at Keilah, and they were stealing grain from the threshing floors. So then he was going to go fight them. And you know what? We have an enemy that has come to kill, steal, and destroy. And so he, just like those Philistines came and were taking over this threshing floor, we have an enemy that wants to do that to us. And now this is the verse that threw me off. Now, you're going to just have to picture this because I even, I even Googled this because I wanted to see pictures of it. I mean, they didn't have cameras back in, but someone drew it. It says the threshing, I have the threshing floor is a place to seek and hear from the Lord. Um, in 1 Kings 22:10, King Ahab, who was the king of um, Israel, and King Jehoshaphat was the king of Judah. They, um, were, they were discussing about whether They were going to join forces and go and fight an enemy. And so they they decided that they were going to seek um, guidance from this. And so, so these two kings, listen to what they did. They were dressed in their royal robes. So picture that. And they were sitting on their thrones at the threshing floor near the gate of Samaria. And then it says all of Ahab's prophets, and in another verse it says there were 400 of them, were prophesying there in front of them. So here you have these two kings on this place where grain is, is um, smashed, all decked out in their royal robes, on their thrones. Can you picture four, and there are 400, these prophets all around, they said they were um, dancing all around, they were prophesying all around them. That is, that is what I read, and I kept thinking, what, is, what does all that mean? I still don't know what it means. So, um, but you know what? I, uh, a, um, a threshing floor is also, it, it's, it, it's a void space, the same word, the Greek word "gorin" for threshing floor, also means a void space, and it also means an open area. And so... Um, and, and if you know the, about the gate, the gate is where justice was dispensed. That's where they would sit and they would make decisions there at that gate. And so that's why they were at the gate. And so these kings were there. And um, I'm not going to go into the rest of the story because the threshing floor is the only important part of that that story to me. <clears throat> but don't you find that odd that the king would go and do that? And so that's what made me wonder what a threshing floor is. Um, but... At the threshing floor, lives are changed. And so um, first of all, Sorry, I felt like I'm on an airplane on an airplane. Where are my peanuts? So our hearts can be changed. Gideon and um, Judges chapter six. And you know, I, I taught on this in our, in our shine group here for our young kids. And um, the Lord just really, really spoke to me during that time. But later, when I was working on this threshing floor, I, I didn't even notice some of these things until I was studying for this. But in Judges chapter six, it says that an angel came, an angel of the Lord came, and Gideon um, was threshing wheat. And he was doing it at the bottom of a wine press because he was trying to hide the grain from the Midianites. And this angel came to him. Now imagine, he's hiding. He's hiding what he's doing, and he's doing it in a place that wasn't even made for it. And this angel appeared, and this angel said to him, This is in the NLT. It says, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Most translations, many translations say mighty warrior. He doesn't sound like a mighty warrior, does he? He's kind of cowering and he's hiding. But God saw him there. And God saw him threshing wheat in a wine press. And I never caught that. I just always thought he was pressing, doing where he was supposed to. But then later in that chapter... And um, verses 36 through 37, well, God, in the meantime, God had told him he wanted to go and fight the Midianites. And he's still not feeling like much of a warrior. And he's questioning, wondering if he really heard from the Lord. And this is where, you know, the story where he puts the fleece out and he puts it out one night. And I might be getting this in the wrong order, but he puts the fleece out and he says, let the fleece be dry and the ground be wet. And it happened but he still wasn't sure if he was hearing from the Lord. So he put that same fleece out and he did this all all on the threshing floor. So now he's out in the open. He's no longer hiding in the winepress. Now he's out on this threshing floor putting this fleece down. And this time, Lord, can you have the fleece be dry and the ground be wet? And God did it again. But what I find fascinating is that When God saw him in the wine press, he called him the mighty warrior. And by the time he was done, he was on the threshing floor, and and he was ready to go fight. And so at the threshing floor, our hearts can be changed. And also on the threshing floor, God's plans are cemented, and they can move forward. In uh, Ruth, Ruth chapter 3, 1 through 14, um, Ruth was a Midianite, the same people that Gideon was fighting. So here's Gideon with his 300 men. They go out, they're fighting 135,000 men. But you know what? God, in his incredible um, foreknowledge, knew this family over here, these Midianites, I'm gonna preserve them, because some one of is gonna have a daughter named Ruth. And there's this family going to be coming from Bethlehem that because there's a famine. And I, You know what? She's going to marry this guy. And, and so God had Ruth married and, um, to, to this guy, and her husband dies, the mother-in-law's husband dies, and another sister-in-law's husband dies. So now you have these three widows, and they're all crying. And uh, Naomi decides to go back to Bethlehem and Ruth ends up going with her. So they're really, probably not like today, there probably weren't a lot of help wanted signs out. And Ruth had to get something so they could eat. So she would go down to, the, to where the wheat was. And one of the laws that God had put in place was whenever you go and you harvest harvesting your wheat, anything that falls, leave it there. Leave it there for the widows, leave it for the poor, leave it for the, the sojourners that are coming through. And so she knew she could go down there And she could could collect some and take it home, and they could make it into bread. And so one night, Naomi, after she comes back from the fields, Naomi's like, you know, she didn't say it like this. But this is how I would say it if it was Christy. I would say, you got to get yourself a man. (laughs) And she got one, let me tell you. He was part of me. She said, this is what I want you to do. I want you to take a shower, put on your best clothes, I want you to get some perfume on you, and I want you to go to the threshing floor of Boaz. Boaz was the owner of the field where she had been collecting the weed. Oh, I'm so sorry. I want you to go to that, I want you to go to that threshing floor. Don't let them know you're there. And after he is done eating and drinking and he lays down for the night, I want you to go over and I want you to lay beside him. And I want you to just take the corner of his blanket and put it on you. And there's was, there all was kinds of symbols in that. Well, she did that. She did just what her mother-in-law said. Hear that, Christine? <laughs> 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 and... At some point, he wakes up, and he he's a woman laying there beside him, and he's like, who are you? I'm Ruth, I'm Ruth, and, and I heard that you're our kinsman redeemer. So there was another law that God had instituted, and that was if your, your husband had died, then, then, then your nearest relative could marry you. You'd still be part of that family and could still go on. And he said, well, I tell you what, he, I mean, he just, everybody in town bragged on Ruth, and he knew that, and he had heard that. And he said, you're, you're way better than I had ever heard. He said, you could have gone after some young whippersnapper. That's message. No. <laughs> you you could have gone after someone young, but you're coming after me. He was an older man, not married. And he said, but I tell you what, there's somebody that's closer than you, so I'm going to have to go to the gate tomorrow, and meet with him, and we're going to have to decide if we can, if he wants you, because if he does, then he's closer than me. And so they did all that, and Boaz got her, and Boaz married her. Um, Ruth was David's great-grandmother. You see, God was, he was, he had plans already in place, and they were cemented and they were gonna be moved forward. And it's the same way with us. He has plans and place for us. Um, And also at the threshing floor, sacrifices and surrender take place. In 2 Samuel 24, um, David had displeased the Lord. He had decided to do a census and uh, God didn't want him to. And so God said, I tell you what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna give you three options. I'm going to, You can choose one of these three, David. Three years of famine, three months of fleeing from your enemy, which he, he did that quite a bit, Or um, three, it was three months of that, I'm sorry, I don't know what I said, or three days of severe plague. So David chose the three days of plague. He wanted to throw himself into the mercy of God because God's the one that would provide that plague. Well, 70,000 people died. And it says, um, so I'm going to pick up in 16. I'm going to just read a little bit of this, but it says, but as the angel was preparing to destroy Jerusalem, the Lord relented and said to the death angel, stop, that's enough. And at that moment, the angel of the Lord was by the threshing floor of Aruna the Jebusite. And when David saw the angel, he said to the Lord, I am the one who has sinned and was wrong, had done wrong but these people are as innocent as as sheep. What have they done? Let your anger fall against me and my family. And then later, somebody named Gad, G-A-D, so this wasn't God, but Gad came to David and he said, I want you to go and I want you to build an altar on the threshing floor of Aruna." And this is where um, David went and the owner came out and said, what are you doing here? And David said, well, I came to build an altar of the Lord. And he said, oh, well, here, you can have the threshing floor. And I tell you what, you can even use my oxen as your sacrifice. Oh, and take the wooden sleds and the boards from the threshing floor and use them for your fire. And this is where David said, I insist on buying it because I won't present an, a burnt offering to the Lord. that hasn't cost me anything. And so David paid him 50 pieces of silver for the oxen, the wood, and the threshing floor. And as I said a few minutes ago, God's plans are in place. This is the exact spot where God's temple was built. When Solomon built the temple, it was built there. And that spot is where the altar was for Israel's um, burnt offerings. And so, you see why this was so interesting? It <laughs> was just so much the Lord was, was, was saying. So that's what a threshing floor is, and those are some stories from the Bible. But what happens on this spiritual threshing floor? Well, you know, just as the farmer um, threshes the wheat to get rid of whatever's in the way, God wants to cause us to be able to see areas that offend him areas that separate us from him, areas that are in the way. And in Psalm 139, 24, and um, 25, it says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you, and lead, lead me along the path of everlasting life. That point out. That means to expose. Gaze. And when you gaze at something long enough, you can see things you might not see ordinarily. Make me see or cause one to see something. And so we need, we need to say, Lord, will you allow me to see what you see? And may it sicken me. And may I be willing to die to myself. May I be willing to have everything gone just so whatever's left is for you. So something else that happens at the threshing floor is that God's word becomes magnified. Remember the story of um, Josiah? He was uh, collecting money because they were going to make some temple repairs. And uh, Hilkiah, I think it was, was the guy collecting the money and he stumbled upon some squirrels in the in the temple, he found them, and I, I, I can picture him like blowing the dust off of them. And he started reading these things, and he couldn't believe that this was a word from God, and they didn't even know it. And he went to Hezekiah, and he read it to him. And it says that Hezekiah, and I look at my notes. Like here, I, I mean, I know what it says, but I'm trying to get it in the right order. It says that um, he was sorry. No. He was quick to be sorry. He was humble. He wept in repentance and he turned. And that's how we need to be. You know, we need to be quick to be sorry. Oh Lord, thank you for showing me that. Kind of like what uh, Nicole was saying. You know, thank you for showing me that. That way we can get rid of it. And there was nothing between us then. So God's word becomes magnified. And then also we are changed. Just as that kernel of wheat is changed into usable flour, I need to be willing to be changed into a useful vessel. In 2 Timothy: 221, um, it says, "If you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil for honor or for honorable use. Your life will be clean, and you will be ready for the master to use for your every good work." That's in, that's in the ESV. Here's a little translation of it. It's um, keep yourself pure and you will be set apart, prepared, ready for the master, useful to use for every good work. And then now, what we want, I mean, that wheat, if it's not crushed, is of no use. I mean, unless they wanna sit and eat kernels of wheat, which you can do, I think didn't Jesus and them, pick some kernels of wheat, and they just kind of ate it. It'd be like a snack. I don't know that it would be made into a meal. Um, just like God made himself known to Gideon and Ruth and David, I'm going to ask you, you know, are you willing to go to the threshing floor? Now, God's not saying... Um, Sorry, I can't remember what I was going to say. That's <laughs> so bad being as old as I am. Well, let's see. Don't make me take you out back. <laughs> that isn't what he's saying, and that isn't what he wants. He wants us to go to that threshing floor because we're going to meet with him. You see, just as it says that grain is taken and it's made into something useful and it's smashed, and it's ground, and it's made unrecognizable, and the parts that aren't needed, the parts that are in the way, the parts that are flaky, the parts that are hard, the parts that are crusty are just all knocked off and blown away, that's what he wants to do. The Holy Spirit will do that same thing in our lives. He takes my hard heart, and he, just, he does it more than I care to have to go through. It's, it's like the more I know him, the uglier my heart is. And he comes and he takes that spiritual rake and he starts raking over my heart and he breaks up that fallow ground and he gets rid of everything that stands between me and him. He gets rid of all the, the stuff I've already said, the flaky things, the hard, the crusty. And, um, and he leaves the stuff that's useful, the stuff that's fulfilling. He leaves the part that sustains life. He leaves um, whatever it is so that we could, we could love and we can bear fruit. That's what he leaves. That's what he wants us to have. You know, often I found that I want the results of the fleshing floor, but sometimes I don't want to do the work involved. It's just much easier to hit the sm- sm- sooth- so what's that called? Snooze, snooze, yeah. It is soothing too, let me tell you. I don't do it very often, that's why I didn't know what it was called. It's much easier to hit that snooze button. Or pick up my phone, instead of looking at my Bible on there, go to Facebook to see the latest pictures of like maybe Veronica's granddaughter. <laughs> They're worth looking at. Or to see something that my grandkids said cute that day. But you know, um, sometimes I think I don't realize the work that's involved in, um, in what he wants to do at the threshing floor, I don't realize that. I think um, maybe it means I could just spend five minutes and, and then if I pray for one, two people, I'm going to pray for three people today, you know, but he, he, we're at the threshing floor, and he just wants, he doesn't want it to be about us. He wants it to be about him, and there's not anything that's going to be about us. And sometimes we want the results, but we don't want to want to involve the Lord. We want to try to just do it. In Matthew 3.12, John says this about Jesus, He said that he is ready to separate the chaff from the wheat and with his winnowing fork. See, I knew there was another word that came after winnowing and with his winnowing fork, then he will clean up the threshing area, gathering the wheat into his barn, but burning the chaff with never ending fire. I, I want to be, I I don't want to be blown away. I don't want to be burned up. And I want a heart that I don't want anybody else to do that either. I want to have that, that heart that, just like Jesus had, his whole reason he came here was what did you say? To love us and to save, to save us. What was the other thing? I wrote it in my notes. <laughs> I thought, oh, yeah, that just goes right. You see, Satan, you know, you've heard, um, I can't remember even where it's at, but S- Jesus said to uh, Peter that Satan desires diners to sift you like wheat. Heard that? Well, may I suggest to you that we're all going to be sifted. But you have a choice of who you're going to get sifted by. You can either be sifted by Satan, who doesn't really give a hoot about you, or you can be sifted by a God who wants to make you useful for his kingdom. When I, when I think of that, my first thought is, okay, God, I'll allow you to sift me any day you want. In the threshing floor, we step out of our comfort zone like Gideon did. In the threshing floor, I mean, we meet the Lord face to face and we allow him to do whatever it is that he needs to do to make us useful vessels for the kingdom, like David did. At the threshing floors, we lose our inhibitions and we surrender ourselves to the hands of God, like Ruth. At the threshing floor, we're um, changed. No, yeah, that is what I was going to say. But there is a price to pay. So I wanna ask you, are you willing to surrender and allow God to bring you the place of usefulness in the kingdom? I'm pray. Lord God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for all of it. I thank you that you just showed me these, it's actually one word, fleshing floor, but we make it in two. But Lord, you show me this. And a word that I have glossed over for 60-some years, and you showed so much truth in it. And, Lord, I thank you. I ask that we would be women who would read your word, that, God, that we would, we wouldn't, that we would be able to see that we can't make it without your word coming into us and changing us. And Father, I ask that we would be just like Jesus about our Father's business. Father, you are so good. Will you continue to have your way this weekend? Continue to open our eyes and continue to rake our hearts and continue to plant in us. Thank you for being such a loving in a kind God. May we surrender totally to you. In Jesus' name, amen.